0: Correspondence is brought to you by Gosmer Gear, manufacturers of lightweight backpacking gear and accessories. Their packs carry comfortably, their roomy shelters protect in harsh weather conditions, and the trekking poles are some of the lightest on the planet. Gossamer Gear is changing the perception of delicate ultralight gear. You'll be hard-pressed to go too far down any long trail without running into a Gossamer Gear backpack whether it be the 60 liter Mariposa, 40 liter Gorilla, or 36 liter Kuma. Regardless of whether you're new to backpacking or already have thousands of miles under your belt, there's a Gossamer Gear pack for you. As for shelters, Gossamer Gear's the one tent is both lightweight, weighing in at less than 21 ounces, and roomy, with a 19.5 square foot interior and large vestibule. It's an ideal shelter solution for long distance backpackers. For those hiking as a pair, the two offers a 29 square foot interior at less than 29 ounces. You can also find a slew of useful backpacking accessories, including the Lightflex hiking umbrella, which is effective for both sun and rain, nylon stuff sacks, waterproof pack liners, fanny packs, and much more. And good news, listeners of Trail Correspondence can score an awesome deal on Gossamer Gear products. Use code TC15 for 15% off your cart at gossamergear.com. That code again is T as in trail, C as in cat hole, and the number 15. Don't wait. This code is only good for a limited time. Get it. Trail Correspondence is also brought to you by North by North. North by North is a company that specializes in multifunctional merino wool apparel that can be worn anytime anywhere to help keep you comfortable regardless of the weather boasting anywhere from 25 to 100 plus ways to be used their lightweight products replace several items in your pack to help you save weight each product harnesses the amazing properties of merino wool to help keep you warm cool dry and comfortable while protecting you from sun wind fire and insects their merino handkerchiefs are popular with hikers to help stave off the extreme heat in the deserts of the PCT, while also providing warmth in the frosty white mountains of the AT. Their merino hooded neck gaiters offer more protection and versatility than a buff, so you can stay warmer on the trail or in your quilt. Each product is offered in a multitude of colors and uses only the best merino wool fabric that is ethically and sustainably sourced directly from Australia. If your neck gator or bandana is leaving you wanting more? Then check out their line of quality merino wool products at North by North. Co. Not. Com. Because. Co. Is more ultralight. Again, that's North. The letter X. North.co. Listeners of Trail Correspondents can score an exclusive ten percent discount by using coupon code Track Ten at checkout. That's Track T R E K. The number Ten at checkout. Okay. To the show.
1: And I've been dreading making this recording, to be honest, um, because it signals the end.
0: Welcome back to Trail Correspondence, presented by The Trek. I am your host, Zach Badger Davis. Today marks the final episode of this second season. Although this news is rather melancholy, this episode is too good to be down. At the beginning of this year, before embarking on their through hikes, I asked our correspondents to interview themselves, specifically their future selves. I wanted a way to capture both the metamorphosis a hiker goes through during their journey, as well as hit on the pressure points of what was driving our wonderful correspondents onto the trail in the first place. This episode features both the questions fielded before their journey, along with their answers a couple months after they finished. The result is nothing short of magnificent. Before getting to the meat of this show, there are a couple of house cleaning items I'd like to touch on. First, because I've received quite a few emails of late asking, yes, there will be a 2020 correspondence season. We're still sorting through the particulars, but by the time you hear this episode, the application will be open. Head to the show notes to find us, which leads me to my next point. Help us make trail correspondence even better. We've included a survey in the show notes, which includes just a handful of questions that'll help us serve you in making the next season of the show even better. Okay, let's do this. To the show. Hey everybody, it's pre
2: Appalachian Trail Frozen and I'm sitting here with post Appalachian Trail Frozen and I'm just gonna ask him some questions, so let's just get this started. You originally wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail because you felt like your life had been on pause for whatever reason and you just weren't going anywhere. Has that changed for you since you finished? Oh, for sure. Definitely. This is one of those things that I'm really happy I got out of the through hike. I am now engaged and we are currently planning a wedding. I have a brand new job that I love very much so far, making more money and less travel time to and from work. And I definitely feel like the AT kind of hit the play button on my life. Before the AT, I was so wrapped up in where I thought I should be based on what everyone was telling me that I forgot to make myself happy. So I was just constantly stressed. I was like, wow, I should have gotten you know, married when I was you know, right out of high school because that's what my friends did. Well, my friends are unhappy and I'm a happy person right now because I think I waited for the right opportunity to advance my life. So yes, definitely, definitely think that my life is on play instead of hold. While on the hike, was there ever a time where you didn't think you would finish or even wanted to quit and get off the trail to return to normal life? There never was a time on the trail that I thought I didn't finish. I did have some doubts getting to the trail because I was injured before I even stepped on the trail. I obviously pushed myself a little too hard in some of my training for the AT and ended up hurting my knee, which kind of worked itself out by mile 100. When I saw that mile marker for the 100 mile, I just knew that I was going to make it. As far as feeling like I would ever wanted to tap out or just get off the trail because I didn't want to be there, there really wasn't a time that that ever crossed my mind, even remotely. What do you think the turning point was in the hike where you gained the confidence and knew deep down in your heart that this was something you were able to complete? Really, the confidence started growing, like I said before in the last question, on mile 100, because I knew that I, my knees had made it that far. There was no reason why I couldn't just continue. But I think everything got really solidified as we made it out of the Shenandoah National Park. I really felt like I was on the trail as a through hiker and not just a section hiker at that point. And I really grew in confidence exiting that park. Like I said in the last question, when I saw the 100 mile marker, I started gaining a lot of confidence. But as far as the lifestyle, I started to kind of ease into the lifestyle right after I got out of the Shenandoah National Park. The Shenandoahs were really, really beautiful and a lot easier than anything I had experienced. And I learned to relax in that section of the trail and enjoy the people who would later become my tramley at that point and I was just having so much fun at that point I never wanted it to end. When you first started the hike the biggest fear in your mind outside of injury was going to town to resupply because of you being an introvert. What can you tell me about conquering that fear? That's actually really funny hearing that at this point but going into town is something you really never had to worry about. I never had a problem getting a hitch or finding a ride into town, have Uber and Lyft to get out of the towns to make it a little bit easier. But honestly, if you just stand there with your thumb out and you have a smile on your face and you have a good attitude about everything, you're going to get in and out of town just fine. As a follow-up question, were there any towns that you didn't feel welcome in? No, I can honestly say there wasn't a town that I didn't feel welcome in. And if there was, at the point that I got into the town, I really didn't care what people thought. So... Yeah. I mean, you're spending money. People look at thru-hikers like they're, you know, helping the economy. So wouldn't worry about too much. You might go into, you know, a grocery store and just get looked at because because you look a little weird, but you know, who cares about those people? Did you get along with your fellow thru-hikers and was it easier than you thought to make friends on the trail? I got along with my fellow thru-hikers great. In fact, I met more people on the trail than I ever would have expected. Uh, At the first start, I didn't want to talk or be around anybody. I kind of kept to myself. And then I met some people at Neil's Gap, and they were all just like me. They're just thru-hikers, you know. And we were all talking about hiking gear and, you know, how hungry we were. And we kind of all related. We all bonded because we were all going through it at the same time. So I figured the night after that, I would spend my first uh, night at a shelter and met my first friend there. And then soon after, met some other people we went through the Smokies with. And then by Virginia, I had a full-blown tramley of seven people, if you can believe that. So, yeah, I think it was really easy for me to make friends out there just because we all had a common interest. What was your least favorite moment on the trail? Also, what was your most favorite or most memorable experience while you were out there? I think my least favorite moment on trail was probably walking through the entire state of Pennsylvania. And it wasn't the rocks per se, but the fact that we had to look down at our feet to avoid breaking our ankles. I honestly don't remember anything about Pennsylvania except for staring down at my feet and just hoping that I wasn't going to get injured. There were Several sections of Pennsylvania, in fact, that to the left and right sides of the trail was perfectly flat and clear and void of all obstacles, but they forced you on this tiny little ridgeline and you walked what I called it on the trail was the spine of whatever hill or mountain you were climbing at the time. And that that kind of bothered me that they were trying to make the trail harder and it, it became basically less enjoyable. However, my favorite Moments on the trail were with my tramley, probably in the state of Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine. It was so good kind of being stuck with these people at that point because we had spent so much time together that I didn't want them to ever leave my side. They were just amazing people to hang out with on trail. It really revolved around the people and the views that we were getting in the northern states. But I liked every single moment with my tramley. How about your favorite state to hike through? Least favorite? Well, I definitely covered the least favorite state in my last comment, but favorite state to hike through was probably Maine, uh, minus the mosquitoes. You take the mosquitoes out, yeah, definitely favorite state is Maine. The views and just the terrain and just the lakes and everything about Maine is so amazing that it's hard to even describe what it's like to hike in that state. What was the most dangerous thing that happened to you while on the trail? There wasn't too many dangerous things that happened to me on the trail. I didn't see any bear or any really dangerous wildlife, so maybe a rattlesnake. Uh, the only thing I can recall is I almost poked my eye out in Connecticut getting water from a water source. That was a little scary. It got really close to my eye. And then... The numerous times I was in my hammock and the wind had just decided to go gale force, you know, 50 mile an hour gusts, and you, you know, you had that little thought in the back of your mind that, you know, what if a widowmaker comes down on top of me? Never did, never had any issues, but it was always in the back of my mind. The biggest hiking-related hurdle you had before you started the trail was staying in the shelters instead of your hammock in the Great Smoky Mountains since you don't really sleep well on the ground. What is it as bad as you thought it was going to be? 100% as bad as I thought it was going to be, plus maybe a little more. I did not enjoy the shelter experience in the Smokies. I was just kept up all night by people that snored like King Kong and... I still, to this day, don't understand why they make people do that. I get that they want to round people up in one general area. So if they need to evacuate the Smokies in dangerous weather, that they can. But there's really no reason why you shouldn't be able to hammock or tent in the shelter areas. And the people that want to stay in the shelters, by all means, stay in the shelters. After all the planning and sacrifice over the past two years leading up to your through hike, do you feel that everything was worth it in the end? And do you have any regrets? I feel it was 100% worth it in the end. I'm really glad that I just kind of leapt off the edge and took this opportunity to do something amazing with my life. Up till now, I just was doing the everyday thing that everybody does. Get up, go to work, go to bed, and not really taking any... Um, risks or having any adventures, and I wouldn't change it for the world. I absolutely have no regrets about what I've done. What was going through your mind on the way up to touch the sign on top of Katahdin? I hate to give such an anticlimactic answer to that question, but honestly, nothing. I was just treating it like a normal mountain. I had my family with me uh, for a little bit of that section. And then Chrissy, my now fiance, came up with me. I wasn't thinking about getting engaged. I wasn't thinking about touching the sign. I was just having fun in the moment. So there was really nothing going on in my head. Now, when I was coming down the mountain, that's a different story. I started thinking about, well, my journey's finally over. Started looking back at all the good times that I had and... You know, planning next steps, you know, do I get a job right away? and those those everyday questions started coming back into my mind. The final question, and it may seem a little vague or general, but it's definitely the most important question that I'd like to hear. Do you feel you have changed as a person? Why or why not, and do you have a different outlook on life as a whole? I feel like I'm a completely different person, actually, yeah. Uh, before the AT, I just felt really dead and emotionless inside. I didn't want to hang out with anybody. Uh, And when I did, those people would say how bad their lives were. And it just made me worse off. I was super depressed, uh, just, just completely dead. And I think the AT kind of reversed everything. I'm appreciative for what I have. I appreciate the things and the people in my life a heck of a lot more because you live outside for so long, you start to understand the basics of what you need. You need food, you need water, and sometimes you need companionship. And that's just what I did. I felt like my life has taken a turn for the best now. And my outlook has just completely reversed. I'm loving life. I enjoy what I do. I'm enjoying where I am. And whatever happens to me is based on my decision and is not influenced by anyone outside of my mind. So yeah, definitely had a complete reversal.
3: Hello, everybody. It's Catherine Rizzitis, a.k.a. Manhattan, and I'm actually interviewing myself, answering the questions that I had way before I even stepped foot on the trail. So first off. What were some of the most memorable experiences on the trail and some of the most unique and interesting people that I met along the way? I would say some of the most memorable experiences for me were the days that didn't go as planned for whatever reason. There were lots of times along the trail when my hiking group was going to do 20 miles to get into town, but then 10 miles in we saw a great waterfall stop there, like Laurel, I think Dismal Falls is a good example. Um, we were planning to go pretty far that day, ended up doing 0.3, both ways off trail to get to this waterfall swimming spot, ended up staying there for hours and hours, meeting some locals, just spending time doing nothing. And then of course, didn't get to where we said we were going to today, but it didn't matter. I mean, I think the reason days like that are memorable are because they go a little bit against the grain. So I would say as well as all the times that we took off swimming, just the times we'd do an unexpected day in town or run across a place that served a lot of good food that we weren't expecting, all the things that weren't necessarily something we'd planned for turned out to be the most memorable. Because otherwise, you know, I I would wake up and my day was just hiking. So every time that got broken up by something, that was pretty memorable. As far as the people, um, I had expected to meet a lot of interesting folks out there for a bunch of different reasons, and that's exactly what happened. I started hiking with a group for about the first week from all over the place. I was the only person from up north. Everyone else was from further south in the U.S. And then kind of starting week two, I found my, my trail family that I stayed with for almost the entire rest of the hike. So there definitely was something about being outside, working together, living together, doing everything together that helped me to get to know these other people just so deeply, so quickly. So absolutely was something I was looking forward to and I'm happy to say that I, I definitely had have, have friends for life now. What was the hardiest, the hardest and what was the easiest about the trail? Before I started hiking, I thought the hardest part of the trail would be spending so much time outside and resetting my comfort levels. I also thought the easiest would be getting into the same food routines. Now that I've actually hiked the entire thing for 149 days, it was a little bit tough to eat the same food most of the time, and also tough to find food that I could eat and would make me feel okay and give me enough fuel. But I would say the hardest part was definitely mental. Kind of toward month four when I was almost to Maine, but not quite, and the hiking was just getting harder and harder every day just mentally getting myself to get up and keep pushing even though I know every day is just going to get harder pretty much until I get to my last week. That mental game and mental toughness was harder than anything else. It was very easy to live outside. It was very easy to not shower that often. What really was tough was just that last kind of month stretch for me. I would say the easiest was not necessarily living outside, but just getting used to that new comfort level. After the first week or so, I didn't really think about wearing the same outfit every day. Um, you know, not showering that often, feeling a little bit gross. It just, it just became normal. So that was, that was very easy. I barely spent any mind space on that at all. My next question was around technology and how connected I am. On the trail, I kept my phone mostly in airplane mode. I would check it maybe once a day. Definitely when I was in town, and that's something that I've thought about in my life off the trail as well. I definitely used to spend more time on my phone, but when I got in the habit of not using it much other than for pictures, I think I broke a lot of my like social media phone habits so you know I'll, I'll still check my phone in the morning and probably during lunch, but it hasn't really it hasn't really become as big a part of my life um, as opposed to something I would check a lot more often before the hike. So that was helpful, and I I hope to stick with that. I'm also expecting to not check my email as often. I used to, I would say, check my email pretty much every day, and now I think I might move personally to once a week or so. My next question was about moments that were particularly scary. Before starting my hike, I expected, if there were any scary moments, that they would be around hiking on an exposed of the trail with lots of wind or bad weather or things like that and for the most part that held true there weren't many times i felt scared on the trail there were a few times when i definitely felt like i was hiking in conditions that weren't great like if i if i weren't doing a through hike i probably would have started later started earlier taken part of the day off something like that particularly um, further up north in, in maine and new hampshire thankfully my group had really good weather throughout the whites but no one tells you, well, maybe people tell you and I just wasn't listening that Maine is like the whites, but not maintained. So we were hiking just as difficult terrain with you know, almost no maintenance, or you know, the the logs bolted in were so rotten you wouldn't even want to step on them anyway. So there were definitely moments when I was climbing on exposed rock faces, it was windy, it was misty, it was foggy, and I was concentrating with every single step to make sure that I didn't fall off or slip or hurt my ankle or something like that. So there were a few moments, you know, less than a handful for sure, but definitely a few moments when I did feel a little bit nervous and I had to remember to breathe and just keep going and that everything would be fine. Other than the hiking, um, obviously along with everyone else on the trail this year, we did have a couple of scary days in May when um, some hikers had been injured by another hiker and one of them killed. So a lot of the scariness there was around the lack of information and the rumors that we were hearing, as opposed to anything that happened directly to us. We knew we were right around the area where the incident had happened in May, but we also knew that the, the perpetrator had been apprehended and wasn't. You know wasn't still running around by the time we found out about it but what was scary was not knowing what happened and what the scale was at first we didn't know if anyone had been hurt at all then we heard many 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 people had been so that uncertainty was definitely a bit scary um i definitely want next year's hikers just to be careful about what they tell each other and what they're sharing and definitely don't pay any attention to the facebook groups because they seem to be pretty terrible all the time um lots of fear, mom, like just lots of things that you don't necessarily need to have in your mind. So just pay attention, use your common sense um, and try not to listen to the rumor mill. The last question that I hope to answer was what I learned about myself and what to do next. On the hike, I learned that everything that I thought was my limit wasn't actually my real limit. Every time I thought I was done or I'd reached my breaking point, I was able to keep on going, not necessarily happily. There was definitely some kind of kicking and screaming internally while I kept going, but I'm much, much tougher than I thought, and I can do a lot more than I thought. That was not always a happy thought, but it was definitely a reassuring thought. As for what to do next, I I like to have a big yearly goal for my life so I can have a bit of a focus on on what I spend time doing. So in 2018 I did a lot of reading, 2019 I did a lot of hiking. I was toying with the idea of using 2020 to write a lot. It's something that I loved in school fell fell a bit out of the habit of when I started working just because there's only time for so much, but I definitely confirmed on my hike that I do want 2020 to be a year of writing a lot. Some of it is going to be about the hike, some about my life, some who knows what, but I definitely got the mental toughness (laughs) and perseverance ready to go so I can tackle a big writing challenge in 2020. I'm very happy I hiked the AT. Not sure I would ever hike the AT again. Other trails, definitely. PCT, 2020 for sure. Sorry, 2022 for sure. But... It, it taught me a lot, it helped me meet amazing people, and I, I'd recommend it to everyone. Just be careful, it will change your life. I can't say how, but it will, so be ready for that. That's all for Manhattan, signing off for the last time.
4: Was this the rite of passage you hoped for? Um... I would say yes Uh, when I first asked myself that question I didn't really know what kind of incarnation the answer would come in Uh, but for what it's worth I mean the trail in terms of like spontaneity and just having to constantly say yes to things in order to keep moving forward like um, certainly brought about another way of living that I had not previously sort of embodied um so definitely it was it was what i'd hoped for and more because it was something that i couldn't have even asked for before actually going through the whole of it or going through the whole thing anyway what was your daily mileage um so if you don't take zeros into account our daily mileage was about 17 and a half miles per day and if you do take zeros into account, which makes more sense, uh, our daily average was like 18 and a half. But we had days as long as like 47 miles when we did the four-state challenge, and we had days as short as four miles when we did southbound miles back to Rutland to stay at the Yellow Deli for a second night. How do you now feel about the wet, the cold, and the wet and cold? Um... Funny question, considering it's been raining now uh, pretty often now that I'm back here in Atlanta. And interestingly, I kind of thought that it would improve my uh, ability to suffer and endure being out on the trail. But now that I'm back, having been in so many bad weather conditions, um, I've actually taken the opportunity when I have it available to me to stay out of bad conditions. So, for example, last night... Um, I went out to have dinner with a friend And it was raining when I left And I started on my bike Because I was like, fuck it, it's fine I can go out and get wet, it's not a big deal Which is exactly what I would have done Back before the trail But as I made my way down the street And my clothes started to get more and more drenched I was like, man, there's no point There's no reason for me to do this to myself I'm going to a restaurant I'm going to meet a friend And at this rate, I'm going to be soaked By the time I get there, and I'll be cold I have a car. I shouldn't make myself suffer like this. So I would say probably I have more ability to endure adverse conditions, but I also now uh, have a greater um, worth placed upon being comfortable. (laughs) Did you end up tenting or staying in shelters more? Um, Jeez, hard to say. Um, Definitely stayed in shelters a lot toward the end. We were sort of in front of the bubble And so we had a lot of the shelters to ourselves once we had finally gotten that far ahead. And for sure, when we rolled up to a shelter, if there was no one in it or very few people in it, and the shelter was where we were aiming for that day anyway, we would definitely elect to stay inside the shelter just for the ease of it. So we wouldn't have to pack up all of our stuff in the morning, especially if the weather was bad. So toward the beginning, I'd say probably tented more, but... As we got further and further down the way and needed to just like kind of bust out miles more than we needed to waste time um, packing up or setting up camp, Um, it sort of shifted in that respect. How many zero days did we take? Uh, We ended up taking somewhere between like eight and nine. So it was somewhat important to us, just I guess, for bragging rights to not get into the double digits. But, uh, I mean, it wouldn't really have mattered, especially toward the end, if we had um, gotten into that point in terms of how many we took. Um, we took four zeros in Damascus at two separate times. Um, when we first got into Damascus, we took two zero days at the 500-mile mark. And then when we went back to trail days, we took two more zeros to enjoy that. Uh, we took a zero in Massachusetts. That's five. took a zero in... I don't remember where, I guess New Hampshire, to avoid bad weather at Mount Washington. Took two zeros before um, going into the 100-mile wilderness in Maine. Um, thanks to Forrest's mom for helping make that possible. And, oh yeah, we took two zeros in Pennsylvania. So, I don't know if that's nine or ten. But, in any case, it doesn't matter. Um, we took as few zeros as we could uh, And, uh, yeah (laughs) uh, We never Never regretted it, that's for sure Mm -hmm. What kind of injuries did you sustain? Well, I did that 17 mile hike In Crocs And destroyed my Achilles tendon Doing that Um, hurt my heels a lot With my terrible Solomon shoes Always seemed to get to a point Where they would end up Cutting the backs of my heels Um, i have i guess i was uh well i don't know if bug bites count but definitely had a lot of weird bug bites that uh would have concerning welts associated with them um injuries i don't know just little pains here and there my knees always hurt uh but you know nothing that was debilitating enough to where i had to get off trail and that was definitely a blessing what did you gain by thru-hiking that you may not have if you had biked cross-country instead? Well, that's pretty easy. Um, great relationships with people who uh, I hope to keep in touch with for the rest of my life. For sure, if I had biked um, as I had planned to cross-country. Um, there was one guy who was planning to be my partner for that. But we already knew each other, and for sure we would have gotten closer. But there's no doubt that you know between the people who I was hiking with, the people who we encountered as a group, the people who gave us trail magic and were trail angels. I mean, the social aspect of it um, is really the most valuable thing that I got out of the whole experience, and I just think that would have been sorely lacking if I had uh, biked cross-country instead. Since you're not obsessed with gear or weight per se, how did things you started with change by the end? Uh, I basically kept everything that I started with. If you don't consider um, sending stuff back, uh, I guess, to get the summer gear after winter was done. So um, I was able to pretty much just keep all my budget stuff and keep zip-tying my Osprey pack as it broke so that certain pockets that didn't work anymore could stay closed without flapping in the wind. But, yeah, I mean, you don't have to spend much on your gear. I mean, you could... And for sure, the lighter you can make everything, the more dividends you get from that decision in terms of the wear and tear on your body. But it's very feasible to have, as I did, frog togs, um, you know, uh, <laughs> the cheapest tent possible at REI, the passage one, um, an Osprey pack that you got as a graduation gift and didn't ever have sized to you. Um, You know, personally uh, I just kind of hobbled it all together And it worked It was pretty amazing I mean, I think gumption and stick-to-itiveness Is more important than the actual gear That you use to get through it As a disgraced Lance Armstrong said uh, It's not about the bike It's about the rider And so that definitely has some crossover To uh, hiking as well Generally speaking Do you think you'll return to the lifestyle you left? What do you think will stay the same, and what do you think will change well that's definitely the thing on the forefront of my mind now um, I definitely don't want to return to the same the same lifestyle that I was living living and leading prior to the trail um, that's not to say that I never will but i'm not I'm not entertaining the thought of it anytime soon um, you know again saying yes to so many experiences on the trail and the spontaneousness and you know just jumping into a situation and figuring out as you go that was like so um revitalizing and invigorating to have day after day because you know you could make a plan on the trail that you're going to get to this shelter or this town and do this or that but there's always just this element of like uh chaos to it you know because You know, the weather could be terrible, so you'd have to cut your plans short. You could be given some opportunity to go to someone's house uh, to escape the weather or just to, you know, do laundry, whatever it might be. There was always the chance that something would happen that would completely alter your plans for that day. And so just the ability to be flexible and, you know, kind of travel unburdened by plans or rigid structures or schedules um, that's something that I would want to generally bring into my life uh, so that I can just kind of flow with like less anxiety about where I'm going and more like fun and sense of adventure Um, in terms of nuts and bolts I'm not trying to start another career anytime soon and so being back in the city at my house it feels a little strange because I have like the muscle memory of how things used to be when I lived here. And so trying not to fall back into old mindsets or habits or routines too much, but um, yeah, definitely trying to keep that spirit of adventure and freedom alive. (laughs) Any poop stories? Um, I did not shit my pants on the trail. There were certainly many moments where I thought it could have happened. Um, You know, going... Descending many of the mountains that after you get uh, into the whites, you know, the, the jostling of your bowels as you take step after step down these terrible rocks and slippery roots and all of this bullshit um, definitely shakes things up a bit. Um, there were definitely some moments where I had to like immediately pull off the trail and use the facilities, but there was never a drop of excrement in my pants that was uh a deal breaker <laughs> that's not really what i mean but yeah um you know i definitely i'd never pooped in the woods before on the trail and um i wouldn't say i'm an expert but i'm definitely comfortable with it now the privy situation i don't know i got through it pretty clean and um that's a blessing as well <laughs> so I guess that's all the answers to the questions that I had prior to the trail. If I could go back in time and tell myself some of the crazy shit that I was about to go through, I think maybe I would have shit my pants hearing that. But yeah, thankfully, uh, from start to finish, thankfully, I had my pants in a clean state. All right, this has gone way too long, but I guess you guys will edit it. So (laughs) talk to you later. Bye.
1: This is Jasmine Ortega for the track assignment 0. Jasmine, I have some questions for you, future self. Now that you've hiked the PCT, now that you finally did the thing that you've been thinking and planning for a very long time, going into it there was no overarching why other than this desire to want to, wanting to be on trail and wanting to finish a very big undertaking Um, I just can't wait to hear what this experience is like I know that I've spent a lot of time looking at pictures and reading about other hikers experiences but in the end I want to experience everything for myself Hello friends it's Yasmin 43 days removed from the end of my through hike. And I want to close the circle on some questions that I had for myself before I started. And I've been dreading making this recording, to be honest, um, because it signals the end of the um, experience doing this podcast and communicating with my fellow thru hikers, and you, the listener, for a few months now. So I just want to thank Zach and everyone who's a part of Trail Correspondence for this amazing opportunity. You know, as it's, it's a little selfish, maybe, but you know, this is something that I will have to look back uh, on. Uh, for the future and I'm so grateful so without further ado (laughs) I will answer some questions that uh, I posed um, for myself my past self for my future self I wanted to know if that draw if that pull was strong enough to sustain you on the difficult days or if you were left questioning yourself and wanting to uh, cut it short. I had been uh, fixated, obsessed, <laughs> whatever word you want to use, uh, focused on the Pacific Crest Trail for at least four years now. Um, you know, Initially, like a lot of people I read, Wild, I saw the movie, But when I first read the book, I wasn't a hiker, really. I was a day hiker. Backpacking wasn't even part of my, you know, world. Um, So the game changer for me was going to the kickoff in 2015. Once I was surrounded by the trail community and I saw the trail and hiked from Campo to Lake Morena, that was it. So that pool, that... um, that calling, if you will, it's, it's been very strong since day one. And not for a moment did I ever think of quitting. Uh, I got down on myself a few times, because I was super slow, because I had, um, you know, unforeseen circumstances, crazy burrito had to be airlifted. And You know, I waited for um, her to get to Bishop. And then we, you know, before that, we were bailed out of Tehachapi. We took another five days off. And so all of this was time that, in hindsight, you know, I I could have used at the end. But it is what it is. That's one of the lessons of the trail is to just um, accept the circumstances and do the best with what you've got. So I feel very happy with uh, my... um, stick-to-itiveness, tenacity, persistence, determination, whatever you want to call it. Um that I you know did not uh waver from my desire to hike the PCT. It, I had given up so much to to be there that I wasn't going to go home unless there was some serious injury, um illness or or you know other um circumstance, but um that did and did indeed sustain me. I want to know if you confronted your fears. Um, one of the the big fears that I've had going into it is the sketchy snow crossings, the shoot around Forrester Pass, any any treacherous crossing that has. Um, uh, big drop, that always makes my stomach turn. So I want to know if you were scared and did it anyway, if you were brave and how you felt when you accomplished a difficult crossing. There were many moments when I was afraid. You know, someone on Facebook called me fearless and I had to say, wait a minute, (laughs) I'm afraid on the regular there are moments when you know I'm paralyzed, and it, I start overthinking things, and you know, this log looks slick, and then I start you know going into a downward spiral, and next thing you know, you know I'm just frozen and can't move. That happened a few times. <laughs> so I was afraid, but I, at the same time, I confronted those fears. And I kept telling myself, the only way out is through, you know, there's no, no one's going to come and rescue you. No one is going to um, parachute in and and get you out of the situation. You signed up for this. You get yourself out of it. So (laughs) that was my mindset um, to keep going and to take one step. One of the moments when I was most fearful was that. Uh, Forester Pass. And there were moments when I thought, fuck, (laughs) what have I done? Uh, And who brought the trail? Like who thought of this? Who thought of bringing the trail here? Uh, (laughs) But once I got over that, it was just a matter of one step, and then another step, and then another. And then you have gotten yourself out of this uh, this moment, this crux. So I confronted my fears and I got better at being courageous. I also want to know what was your best day on trail? What was your best moment? What was your low point? And what was your favorite um, uh, zero? Where did couldn't you wait to get out of town? Who... Was your favorite person on the trail? Favorite trail angel? Favorite serendipitous moment? Favorite moment when the trail provided? Oh my goodness! It's like picking, you know, your favorite parent or sibling. I don't know. I can't do that. Um, I had I had many many good days. Uh, it, and some of those days were just simple. It was simple things. Um, getting a hitch into Syed Valley, you know, when it looked like we were going to do that long road walk into town on a very hot day. And just at the precise moment when it just. We were just um, hopeless here pulls up a a pickup truck, and then we just jump in the back, you know I have my legs dangling from the edge, and the wind's blowing through my hair and I'm so happy uh and then I got into syed and had two milkshakes and a burger, and I got my resupply and you know it was it was so simple i and i I had so much fun. Um, with my trail family, um, hitching a ride into Ridgecrest with Crazy Burrito, Gumby, and Saucy Minx. We had a dance party at Walker Pass. It That was just a moment of joy. It was it, We turned a, a moment where we were waiting for a while, you know, just sitting there. That's a hard hitch. And turned that into a dance party. So that was really cool. I had fun. At Trail Angels Homes, Casa de Luna, Hiker Heaven. Uh, I saw, uh, I hung out with some friends at Idlewild. I wish I had stayed longer there. Uh, in Stahegan I did not want to camp. We had just gotten in from a pretty gnarly section from Stevens Pass, and all I wanted was a roof over my head. Being that there were none to be had because we missed the last shuttle, um, I ended up sleeping in the picnic shelter on a picnic table. So that was just, you know, funny and just making the most out of the situation. The best, uh, that was some some of the best days I had on trail. The low point, I had a couple of low points. Um... One of them I recall very well, it was, and this was after we got back on trail, Crazy Burrito and I, and we were struggling. I think both of us were struggling. Usually I'm the one who's really slow behind her, but she was struggling because she was, I think, still dealing with um, the health issues that got her off trail to begin with. But I remember we uh, camped pretty far from Pincho Pass, so that was really not the hardest pass in the right circumstances but we got there after 11 it was almost noon when we got to the, uh, the pass and it was a lot sketchier than it needed to be just because of the late um the late crossing and I was falling all over the place and I just got really frustrated with myself and I just felt like I wanted to cry um I got myself together, I had some of my salt and vinegar chips, which are my favorite on trail, and had a lunch break with burrito and I was just talking about it and and I felt better. And then you just carry on. And finally, what lessons, what experiences, what outlook do you take from the trail into life moving forward? The main lesson I learned from the PCT is one that I had in me, but the trail just reinforced the fact that life short, do the things you love, do them with passion, be brave, be courageous, see the beauty in everything. Give people the benefit of the doubt, we're all trying to do our best out here. And uh, give yourself credit for uh, the courage you demonstrated so i am applying these lessons uh, in a very real way after i returned from vancouver i left my job and i'm currently unemployed and looking for work and also considering hiking the appalachian trail next year i still have some lingering health issues i want to get better so that will be a factor but Just to take uh, my life in directions that I may not have considered before and not doing things out of habit or out of fear, but out of joy and out of love. So with that, friends, I sign off for the last time. Thank you for listening and happy trails from Jasmin in Los Angeles. Goodbye. (laughs)
5: Hello everyone, this is Kartike and Adanila. In this episode, I'm gonna answer some of the questions which I had asked myself, questions that I framed to myself before I even started the hike. So in the past five months, my mindset has completely changed. So the questions I asked kinda, I know the answers right now, which I was looking for five months before. The first question is, ever since you began hiking, you found a new meaning in life a meaning which was not provided by the safety and comforts in a civilization, a meaning found only by climbing mountains and reaching summits, a meaning which contributes a deep sense of fulfillment. But PCT is not about mountains and summits. So you think it would deliver a similar meaning? I think PCT actually gave me a much more deeper and profound meaning than just peak bagging or chasing summits or having a summit fever. When I first started hiking and mountaineering 2 years back, I was craving to reach the top of a mountain to get the summit and boast to others about what I had done. But right now, after doing PCT. I don't think those summit bagging actually means anything to me anymore for me it's just about being right now being and P- because and i learned that in pct because pct is not about climbing to the top but it's about actually being on the trail and this new level of being had changed the meaning of the meaning itself and yeah so it's it didn't deliver a similar meaning and pct actually it gave me a much better deeper and profound meaning Next question. Putting aside your dreams of high altitude mountaineering, climbing, and summit fever, all of a sudden you chose through hiking in a belief to practice stoicism. Should you have just gone to the Himalayas? Are you about to waste five months of your life? (laughs) I find this question kind of funny because yes, I did practice stoicism in PCT. I did figure out where I kinda get annoyed you know all the emotions pile up on me and kinda goes out of my control that's really is important which I actually haven't found in mountaineering because mountaineering was so short being 5 months out in the wilderness is different And so my question previously was, are you about to waste five months of your life? So right there, the answer is like, no, those five months which I had on the trail, I think are very important for me. And I'm so glad that I didn't actually spend this money to go just into the Himalayas because I will be doing that eventually anyway. And this is one of the greatest time projects I've taken in my life. The next question, right after you finish the trail, you have mountaineering projects in mind and you tell yourself you would not want to go on a through hike again why would anyone want to keep doing it again would you stick to the same mindset or would you change and go on uplash and trail or would you continue pursuing mountaineering yes so before i started this hike i clearly told myself that I'm a one and done kind of guy like this is the only one show I will be doing and I'll, that's it I'm done I'll stick to my rock climbing and mountaineering honestly that's what I even thought in Washington and it was raining on me every single day and it, even in the snowstorm and I was ki- kind of get miserable and it was mentally challenging but right now sitting in the comforts of the civilization I don't think I'm done with true hiking. That's because of the people I met, the memories I had for a long time and it's, it's just a journey that never ends kind of feeling you get and I, I love it, it's just amazing. And the culture, the community and there's so many things which actually can be used as a lifestyle. And it's not just an adventure it's actually a lifestyle it's a way of living i've seen people who come back again and again because they crave that kind of lifestyle and i think i'm falling into that category right now so so yeah i'm, I'm really thinking about appalachian trail and the continental divide trail as well to get my triple crown next question even though you never hike long distance before you believe that you can finish the trail in less than four months are you overestimating yourself or underestimating the trail even if you could do that what do you need to prove to yourself I don't know how this I think this question came from my ego from the yeah this this is really ego because I don't know how I thought I could do the whole thing in four months having never done any long distance hiking before yeah clearly i overestimated myself and underestimated the trail the trail was way harder than i thought but at the same time it's it's doable because i did it and because so many other people did it but doing it in less than four months I don't think I would actually prefer that because having that extra month out on the trail was way more gratifying and satisfying than pushing myself to the brisk and just running running all the time. Because if I'm doing over 30 miles a day, that day is usually I don't take my camera out and then take the pictures and film and talk or you know do something like that but when i'm doing a smaller days like less than 20s late uh, late 20 miles like 26 27 those are the best days on the trail so i prefer to have more time out there the next question one of the biggest reasons to do this trail is to discover and know yourself better you already know that you enjoy your own company in general life your own dreams and goals are your top priority so as a part of the inner journey you prefer to be alone on the trail when someone asks you if you want to be a part of the trail family you are not sure what to say can you find yourself in the company of others absolutely again this this kind of came from ego before the trail uh where being independent being an individual solo is like a huge accomplishment that's the way i used to think i mean it is i'm not trying to Bring it down, but the the fact that I found for myself is I really do enjoy the company of people that I really like and connect with mentally, and those are those are a couple of my friends, Sombrero and Matrix, that I met on the trail and hiked with ever since South Lake Tahoe up until the border. I think I formed a very strong bond with them. I don't which I haven't had with anyone since my high school actually so it's been really it's been really a long time that I felt like hey I feel connected like I feel I I feel a strong friendship with you I trust you and you know I like I could help you in whatever you want and I expect I don't expect but I know that they have the same thing even though we don't talk about it that kind of relationships you know, I don't like I, I still don't like the word trail family, but we are a kind of family on the trail because we were together for a long time and and that was I think crucial for me especially in Washington to finish the trail. So, yes, I actually did find myself in their company too. Next question. Being a vegetarian, the biggest worries you have is the lack of protein options on the trail and weight loss associated with it. Is the fear necessary? Absolutely not. I mean there are even vegans on the trail which I had no idea up until I've been on the trail. I met so many vegans out there and I was a vegetarian, I was like I still ate cheese and I still ate protein powder and I ate like burgers and fries whenever I went to town and I had the couscous and I ate protein bars, there were lots of bars so there was no problem whatsoever to have enough protein on the trail even though I was a vegetarian. And weight loss? Yeah sure I did lose 20 pounds but I think it's pretty normal. The next question. You are the only solo Indian origin hiker on the trail. Probably you will become the first Indian to finish in one single season if done successfully. Though you don't really care, you still keep thinking about it. Why and how does it matter? I think even this question came from my ego. Before I started the trail, I wanted to brag to everyone that I'm the first Indian. But what does it really mean? I don't like at this point. I didn't totally care back then, but deep down, I was like, I wanted to, you know, use it as a placard or like an accomplishment to, you know, to separate myself from every other hiker, like saying, hey, I'm the first Indian. But now, when I think about it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I'm the first Indian or, or maybe the second Indian or like whatever. It, it really doesn't matter. And at the same time, it's like, what really matters is not the nationality on the trail but your character. What are you learning from it? What are you What are you taking from it and what are you giving back to it? I think that's the most important thing on the trail. So I and, and also the other thing is I kept thinking about it a long time before I started the hike, but now I don't even think about it. Not even once. I, w- I was celebrating the victory with my Australian and Netherlands friends and we were just we three or international group and we just had fun it, our nationalities never came into the picture except like cracking some stupid jokes, but Now I really to conclude I like the thing is I don't really think about it even for a single second So these are the changes that I have found in myself after the hike and yeah so this trail really did change me in a profound way and I'm really really happy and grateful for everything I've I found on the trail especially I especially the things that I found in myself and a new way of living I would say this is what I would sign up for the next year as well up until then Thank you for listening to my podcast, everyone. It's been a great journey. It's been a pleasure to have this opportunity to share and express myself through this medium of podcast with everyone, whoever is listening. And it's such an honor as well. And the the funny thing is, the best thing is, I'm recording this podcast from India. And yeah, so someone asked me, the other question is like, how do you feel going back from solitude to a billion people country and i'm like i don't think about it that way i'm just constantly observing humans around me and figuring it out why they act a certain way and why they don't so it's like saying that i actually went far away from humanity only to find the humanity in myself thank you everyone this is kharthake and adenla signing off take care
6: Backpacker Radio, it's Laura, 2019 PCT trail correspondent, and I am recording from before the trail from my home in Canada. And this assignment is to ask myself some questions that I'll be answering at the end of my hike. But I also, before I start, want to send a message to future post hike Laura. Hi, future Laura. I want you to know how proud I am of you. I hope you're listening to this after finishing the trail at the Canadian border. But of course I realize that there's a chance that you're not. And in that case, I'm super proud of you anyway for making whatever decisions got you to where you are um, and whatever you had to do to keep yourself safe and enjoying yourself. Hey everybody, it's Carjack here, also known as Laura in my regular life where I am now back home in Victoria, Canada. And today's assignment is my last one for trail correspondence. And uh, it's going to be answering some questions that I asked myself before I set out on the trip. And first of all, I had recorded a little message to myself before I left. And I just wanted to respond to that um, and thank that past Laura months and months ago for making those sacrifices and doing what it took to get me to the start of this trip because that was such a huge huge part of this accomplishment was just getting to the start and I'm so grateful that I had this experience and this opportunity. Okay now future Laura I got some questions for you. First of all I am full of worries right now before the hike and I'm curious what were you worried about before the trail that you really shouldn't have been? So there were a couple of things I was very worried about. Actually, I was worried about everything, but the two things that I think I really shouldn't have was number one, the clothes that I was wearing. Um, I was really researching different clothes and trying out different clothes, and I really should not have worried about that. Um, People were wearing, you know, thrift store clothes by the end. It really didn't matter. Uh, I ended up actually wearing a hiking shirt that I'd worn for tons of other backpacking trips. It wasn't new and it was already kind of almost falling apart. But I ended up wearing it for about more than half of my trip. Um, And then the other thing I was really worried about and I spent a lot of time researching and planning was about the food that I was going to eat. And I didn't send myself very much food, but I did... Just spend a lot of time thinking about different options and learning about different backpacking foods that would be available along the trail, and I I was worried because I'm Canadian and I wasn't super familiar with the types of food that there are in the U.S., Um, although there's obviously some similarities, Uh, and I really shouldn't have worried about this. I think if I would showed up with one or two meals that I liked to eat on the trail, um, and then the rest I, I learned, you know, from other hikers, just from wandering around American grocery stores and... You know, I ended up eating really mostly junk food and American grocery stores have no shortage of amazing junk food. So, I didn't I really didn't need to worry about that at all. Did you end up bringing those luxury items? And I think you know the luxury items I mean. And did you end up using them or did you end up sending them home? So the two luxury items that I was really debating were first of all my kindle and second of all um, a collapsible sink so first of all the kindle um i didn't end up bringing the kindle and i did just use the kindle app on my phone and uh this was a good a good solution for me i've always brought my kindle on backpacking trips uh, but i it was really true what everyone says I didn't have any energy for reading beyond the first week or two I I spent most of my time before falling asleep just journaling and um, sometimes reading a few pages on my phone but that was it. And then the second one was a collapsible sink, which I know sounds crazy, and I got a lot of teasing about it, but I did bring it. And the reason I brought it was that I had—I do tend to really get bad blisters, and a doctor had told me before that the best thing to do when you have blisters is to soak your feet in um, water with a little tiny bit of Dr. Bronner's soap in it. And so I did that, and I did it almost every night for the first month of the trail and it helped a ton and sometimes I'd even be dry camping and would carry water to be able to do my foot soak and honestly like my trail family never stopped making fun of me for this but it was a very lightweight it only weighed a few ounces it was kind of like a canvas um, tub that folded up really small and it worked really well and I carried it until I stopped using it so I realized kind of partway through my third month that I was not using it very much anymore I was mostly just soaking my feet in town and so I sent it home and that was that and that's kind of the two strategies that people use for luxury items either bring it and don't panic about it and send it home if you're not using it or don't bring it have have it so that someone can send it to you if you need it and I did both of those strategies and they both worked out. What most surprised you about yourself? Um, I actually surprised myself in a lot of ways but I think the biggest Surprise was that I ended up really enjoying my own company more than I thought I would. I'm normally quite a social person, and I did envision myself like surrounded by a big trail family the whole trail, and that was the case for the first um, 750 miles. But after that, I started to really do my own thing and spent way more time by myself than I anticipated. And I think that's not everyone's experience, but. It was a surprise to me how much I needed to do my own thing. Um, I really enjoyed my time interacting with other hikers, but ultimately I, I felt like to be true to myself, I had to do my own thing. And uh, it also off, it often meant that I wasn't hiking with the same people all the time. Did you end up, in fact, being the slowest hiker on the entire PCT? And if so, did it even matter? Uh, this makes me laugh that this is one of my questions because... <laughs> I was really concerned about this. And you know what? The truth is I did end up being very slow. I was, I always kind of felt like a tortoise compared to a bunch of hares that were um, hiking around me. Um, But, you know, it worked, it really worked out for me. I was very consistent in the number of miles that I did. The first uh, six, you know, six or seven weeks I hiked, kind of high teens, low 20s for mileage, then I increased to sort of low 20s for a month, um, and then sort of mid to high 20s through Oregon and Northern California. So I I just consistently did the same number of miles almost every day. I didn't take that many neros or zeros, I took a a zero about every two weeks and a Nero about every week. And I just was consistent. And sometimes people would say like, oh, wow, how did you catch up to me? Or, you know, I, I didn't think you'd catch up to me. And, and I'd say, well, it's not because of something I did. I I, I hike 25 miles a day. Like there's no, no secret. I'm, n- I'm never doing those huge days. People would do, you know, 45 mile day and then take two zeros. I just never did that. I never took a double zero. I only ever did one zero. And I just con- was consistently slow and steady. And sometimes I'd be hiking the same distance as my friends. They'd be taking 10 hours to do it and I'd be taking 12 hours to do it and and that was fine I ended up hiking around the same people um, who were way faster hikers than me but I still ended up seeing them every few days because I was just slow and steady and so it worked out great so no it didn't it didn't end up mattering I'm curious what you most missed about home while you're on the trail and what you think you'll miss most about the trail once you're back home So uh, I definitely, I don't even have to think about this at all. The thing I missed most about home was my bed. I love my bed. I love spending time in bed, reading, sleeping, um, just relaxing. And I missed my bed. I had a really comfortable sleeping pad. I had the Neo Air. I had a nice soft warm quilt. But it was never the same as my bed. And even in hotels, when I would love being in an actual bed, it was not the same as my own bed. I dreamt about my own bed while I was on the trail. And I'm really glad to be home in it. Um, And what will I miss most about the trail um, now that I'm home? I think the thing I miss the most was just the simplicity of the trail, life on the trail, having very few possessions around me, knowing exactly where everything was in my backpack or in my tent, Um, Not a lot of choices about what to do in a day. It was just get up, walk, um, eat, walk, sleep. And I do miss that. I miss that routine. And I have found that I've needed... To really have a a structured routine now that I'm home, just to feel kind of comfortable and calm, because there's just so much going on and there's so many things around me that I find like I'm getting more, I'm getting overwhelmed. And even though it's been six weeks since I've been home. And finally, if you could tell pre hike Laura anything, what would you tell her? You know, I don't have any huge advice. that I would get, I would tell my past self, uh, I would just say, enjoy yourself, enjoy every minute. Um, Even though you'll be suffering most days, um, you know, it's, it's not going to last forever and just be true to yourself. Take tons of pictures. It's true what they say, take less pictures of landscapes, take more pictures of people, take more videos, uh, take more videos in town and, uh, yeah, just enjoy and and this will be a transformative experience and, uh, you know, just keep your head up and keep walking. Thanks so much to Future Self for doing your best, for having the courage to take this adventure, for trying to live in the moment, for taking care of yourself and really just for giving yourself the opportunity to have this life-changing experience and I am so curious to know how life is going to change after doing this through hike. So thank you everybody and this is Laura signing out from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, thank you, guys, all so much for listening. I've really enjoyed this experience of being a trail correspondent. I said when I started, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do this was that I was very, very inspired by last last summer's trail correspondence. Um, so I I don't know if if there's anyone listening who's considering doing a thru hike in the next year or two, but uh, you know if if I've contributed anything to your desire to hike, I'm so glad because. Um, what I really gained from listening to the trail correspondence last year was just that that regular people do this it's not super athletes it's not only 20 year olds um, regular people do this and they finish the whole trail sometimes and you know I'm a, I'm a living example of that I'm not a super athlete um, but I, I did it and I had the time of my life and it was painful and difficult but the most rewarding thing I've ever done so anyway I really really appreciate all of you for listening and yeah this is carjack one final time signing off bye bye
7: hey backpacker radio this is julie Kozinski slash arc um and I am back at home I'm back at work um definitely completely integrated kind of back into my my normal life And so I am gonna take some time now to reflect on the questions that way back at the very beginning of this adventure, I wanted to be able to reflect on at the end. So the first question that I was really interested to see how I felt about was I wanted to reflect on how I felt about my home life while I was gone and really focus on the things that brought me joy and that I was looking forward to going home to and the things that I did not bring me joy um, because I kind of felt like those were things that maybe I needed to change in my life. And the good news is is that, um, you know, although I dealt with a lot of homesickness on my hike it also that totally told me that i I love my home life, I miss it, I miss the people. Um, so, you know, things like my job that I was kind of like, mm, I don't know, am I going to miss that? Uh, I definitely discovered that teaching is part of my identity. You know, anytime I would introduce myself to someone new on the trail within the first like five minutes, I would make sure that they knew I was a teacher. Uh, you know, I, I like to talk about coaching and I seriously miss coaching. So, you know, it's been really good to come back and feel like I'm all in on both of those things again and fully committed to them because, you know, I really miss them. Um, I would say that's, that's it in general. I, there really wasn't anything that on the trail, you know, there, there aren't any wholesale changes that I thought when I, you know, that I got back that I needed to make, you know, I wasn't like, Oh, I really want to move or, Oh, this part of my life is bad. You know? So, um, I think of anything, it made me really, really, really appreciate my life. And it made me appreciate some of the little things like you know, being at home and hanging out with my cats, you know, that sounds so silly, but it's so nice sometimes to just be like lazy and sit on my couch. And, you know, those are the things on the trail that I thought about a lot, um, that I, you know, that I missed. And I, I think really the trail, it it really made me grateful for the things in my life that I do have, the people, um, my job and all those kinds of things. So, I feel very good about my home life, I guess, is the the answer to the, the original question. Um, the second question I wanted to talk about at the beginning was, how, how was I going to feel about my body when I was done? Um, just to kind of re- remind you guys, um, I weighed 230 pounds when I started the trail. Um, I wasn't completely unfit. You know, I did work out, but, uh, you know, I was obviously obese. And so I was interested to see how I felt about my body at the end. Um, the answer is I, I really have been amazed by what my body did. I can't believe some of the things that it endured. Um, No, it's kind of hard because some of this is mental, you know, like I know I will push through a a ton of pain um, through huge sections of the trail and that is really more mental than physical. But I was still amazed, like I would go to bed at night, some nights, and, and this was even like later in the hike. This wasn't like the first month. I would go to bed and just feel completely destroyed. And then, and be like, well, there's no way I'm gonna be able to get up and hike. And then in the morning, my body would like magically recover and I'd be able to hike. And it was just so crazy to me. Um, over the course of the hike, I lost almost 50 pounds. And so my body feels kind of foreign to me. Um, like I'm not used to, you know, wearing like regular size clothing. Like I've always worn plus sizes. So, like none of the clothes in my closet fit. Um, I, you know, that feels weird to me. Like things that I used to be really good at, like weightlifting type things. I'm struggling with and things that were really hard for me, like running, I'm kind of actually enjoying. Like I've been doing, I think running every day just because it actually feels really good. So I feel a little bit like I've got to get used to my body one thing that hasn't changed is the daily struggle for me to, you know, I don't want to gain all this weight back. I totally anticipate gaining some back. I don't want to gain it all back. At the same time, I don't want to obsess over it. And and having that balance is, is something that I'm back to struggling with. You know, like every day I'm thinking about, well, what do I, what can I eat? What do I need to eat? What shouldn't I eat? You know, um, So, you know, it was really nice to have a mental break from that on the trail because it didn't have to, you didn't care what you ate because you were going to burn it all off. And so being back to that is a little bit difficult. Um, The hiker hunger is still in full swing. I mean, I've been off trail for like over two weeks and I'm like, the appetite appetite is ravenous. So, you know, I'm still working through that. But um, I would definitely say that my overall body image has improved. And I'm really, really happy with the level of fitness I'm at and really motivated to maintain it. You know, even if that means I gain a little bit of weight back, you know, five, 10 pounds, that's okay. But I still want to be able to, you know, go out and run three, four miles like it's nothing or, you know, on the weekends, go out and backpack 15, you know, 18 miles in a day and and not be intimidated by that. So uh, sorry if you can hear that. That's the bell. I'm actually at school. Uh, (laughs) The last last question I had at the beginning was, will this thru-hike ruin me? in the sense that it's gonna make me just obsessed with the next adventure. Like it's gonna make me, I'm gonna love it so much that I'm gonna be obsessed with the next thru-hike. And the answer is no. I don't feel like the thru-hike ruined me in that sense. Um, I'm so grateful that I had this opportunity and I'm so thankful that I did it, but I really, really struggled with being away from home that long. And I don't know that I'll ever set out to do another thru-hike that is that long. Um, Having said that, there are some things on my list that weren't before, like I really want to do the Colorado Trail next summer. Um, I definitely, you know, want to do some longer, you know, I want to do the Ozark Trail, which is a a trail here in Missouri uh, that runs um, kind of down to Arkansas. I'd like to section hike the AT for sure. Will I ever set out to do a complete through hike again? I don't know. I definitely don't feel right now like, oh my gosh, that's the only thing I can think about. I think what, I think one way it did ruin me, but again, in a good way is that nothing seems intimidating to me now. Nothing seems impossible. And it, that's, you know, that, that sounds so crazy, but I feel like you just have to do such hard things when you do a through hike that other things now don't seem like a big deal. Like, Oh, let's go do, you know, again, climb this mountain or I don't know what it is. Things just don't seem so out of reach. Um, and that's, that's pretty darn cool. So, um, I've really enjoyed going on this journey with you guys. I hope, I hope you've gotten something out of it. Um, I, you know, I'm very happy I did it, I'm very happy to be home, but you know, I do feel like it's, it's made me a better person. I feel like it's um, brought a perspective of my, to my life of gratitude that, that, I, that you know, just makes me happier. I just feel happier um, since I've been home and since I did it. So um, I hope you guys seriously consider you know, trying to find an opportunity to do something like this because I, I do think it will change your life. All right, um, that's all I got, you guys. Arc out.
8: Hey, this is Eric. I'm um, checking in from my new location of Denver, Colorado. Um, it is about month, month and a half, maybe longer after the trail, probably longer. forget how long it's been (laughs) uh but yeah this is a follow-up to our questions we asked ourselves um before the trail and so here we go all right my first question myself was did i find enough food to eat on pct well the answer that is yes surprisingly um so (laughs) interestingly enough i ended up not losing any weight on the pct um i think it's the snickers bars dipped in peanut butter that probably helps. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely found enough food. It's possible out there. Not everybody loses a lot of weight on PCT also. Um, just FYI for everyone. Um, number two, what advice would you give a 2020 PCT hiker? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I think I'd keep it simple and just be like, show up for day one show up for mile zero, get to that first mile. It doesn't matter so much, all the homework and research and equipment you have, you'll have plenty of time to iron that out. Just show up. So I think that'd be my advice. Um, number three, day-to-day life is busy. Um, did I find some mental space to think as an individual and understand myself better? Well, of course. <laughs> um, so Allison and I... Um, Farmers Market and I actually uh, didn't hike side by side most of the time. We were separated by like two to five minutes, I'd say, most of the time, if not a little bit more than that. So we weren't necessarily having conversation, obviously. So it's like a lot of time to think. Um, And, you know, I thought about stuff that... uh, crazy ideas for like businesses in the future or just like anything that pop into my mind, I'd follow that thought. But I also try just like kind of focusing on the trail and focusing on my breath at the same time. Um, And just, you know, stuff like that too. Um, So yeah, there's definitely a lot of time to find some mental space out there for if anybody interested in hiking in the future, yes, you have time to think. Whether it's good or bad, I don't know. But <laughs> um all right. And final question I had for myself was what was the most rewarding or challenging part of hiking with your sister? Um, you know, looking back is a really cool experience to do this trail or most of the trail with a family member. Um I think that's something I'll always kind of carry with me and it's a bond me and Allison will always have um together too. So um, I kind of expected that going in, but I didn't realize how special that is going down the road. Um, But yeah, I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Uh, Allison and I did not kill each other while hiking. Um, We actually got along pretty great and made decisions together and, you know, kind of balanced it out. Um, Yeah. Uh, would. I hike with my sister again? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. So we'll see if she says the same thing about me. All right. That's all I have from Denver. I'm signing off. Uh, not till next time. You guys might not hear from me again, but it's been a joy recording this podcast. Bye.
9: Hey, everyone. This is Allison, a.k.a. Farmers Market. Tropicana, or Eric, and I are recording separately just because of life and jobs. Um, but I'm going to answer some questions that I had for myself from before the trail. So first of all, um, how did the thunderstorms go? Was it as bad as you thought? Uh, yeah, <laughs> they went better than I thought. Um, we only ran into a couple storms. Um, but I still have a lot of anxiety with, if it's a cloudy day and if I'm up at uh, high elevations. So, um, Luckily, Eric knew about my anxiety and he knew and he was okay with me just doing whatever I needed to do to feel better. Um, usually that involved like walking very quickly, like over a ridge or over a pass until I got like back down into a forest or um, walking quickly through a burned area until I got into non-burned trees. Um, and he was totally okay with that. And like, uh, if I just kind of took off at a fast pace, um, he knew why it was and he knew I would wait for him eventually. So yeah, um, I have that anxiety. I know that that's just not going to go away. Um, second, did I have any big revelations about my life? Have plans changed? Um, I don't know what I was planning from before the trail. I can't remember, (laughs) but um during the trail I did think about what I wanted to do for a career and what would make me happy um and that involves being in like natural resources and ecology environmentalism um and I'm trying really hard to honor that and stick to that plan um it's been a little difficult to find a job and so my plans have changed in that um I may not be in Colorado immediately like I wanted to, but that is still the eventual goal. Um, what was your biggest moment of accomplishment that gave you a lot of motivation to carry on? I think that was in Northern California. Um, Eric and I had been hiking largely alone, which was awesome uh, after we flipped up, but um, it started getting a little, lonely or just it seemed to be dragging on a little bit but then near Syed Valley we started hiking around the same people and we started seeing the same same people over and over again and we had a little group that started forming and it was just it was really motivating that we had like another little family like we had in the desert and we could hike together and, um, that gave me a lot of motivation to carry on. And then we crossed into Oregon and I was like, okay, finally a state that we can do. Um, yeah. So that was, a, a big moment of accomplishment, kind of like getting into our next state, um, to do little did we know that Oregon was going to be miserable, um, but I definitely uh, felt a big moment of accomplishment um, when we were going through Washington. We already had all of Oregon behind us, and we knew we were going to finish Washington. And it was it was a huge motivator, too. And lastly, how has my relationship with Eric changed? And was it a good idea to hike with my brother? Totally a good idea. Um, I think Eric and I's relationship is a whole lot stronger. We were pretty close before, but now we have... Um, this huge experience together um, and it's a bond that will last uh, for a while. So I'm, I'm very grateful for our experience together and yeah, it was a totally good idea to hike with him. Um, We had our differences, we had stressful moments, but because we're siblings, we knew we had to get through it um, because we will always have each other. So we have to work through our problems. Unlike a couple or like friends where it's like, and that may be the end of the relationship or end of the friendship. We're stuck with each other. So we have to make it work no matter what. Um, and we did. Uh, we had a great time and we got along great on the trail. So thanks so much, guys. Um, it was a pleasure being part of this podcast. So talk to you later. Bye.
10: Hi everybody, it's Angie from Michigan, and I'm checking in from the comfort of my own room. Well, it's not, it's not my room, but it's my room for now, and this is assignment zero. Before leaving for this trail, I feel like I'm the most nervous about the unexpected, the stuff that I can't, or haven't, or can't prepare for. Um, yeah, I don't know what I don't know, you know? So, yeah. And I think the other thing I'm most nervous or at least concerned about is food. I am a vegetarian going on 20 years and I've been doing research. It's probably the thing that I've researched the most, honestly, um, on how to not eat complete junk while I'm out there. Uh, and it's not looking promising. (laughs) Um, um, you know, even listening to some people or reading up on some people who have through high are vegetarians, they admit that their food choices are perhaps not the best. <laughs> so, food. Uh, and then I think the last thing that I would be really curious about is whether or not I gain any clarity about why I'm doing this. I... I find that when people ask me why I'm doing this and when I have the opportunity to answer that question, I have a really difficult time giving a simple answer. Not that, not that it's a simple reason, but I have this sort of very wide scope of answers because there are so many reasons why I think I'm doing this, um, but I'd love to know whether or not it becomes simple when it's all over. Hi there, everybody, this is Siren, and I'm checking in from Michigan one last time. Today I'm gonna answer questions that I asked myself before everything started, so here we go. What was the most unexpected obstacle? I think that the most unexpected obstacle of this entire hike was my relationship to other people. I didn't expect to form such strong relationships with people. And I, I suppose I couldn't see it so much while it was happening, but it greatly affected the decisions that I made every moment um, of every day. And I am incredibly thankful for those relationships and friendships, and I will tr- treasure them forever. Uh, but it also created some of the biggest obstacles. And that really I could, you know, I can't sum that up in a short amount of time. But it, it was definitely unexpected. What did I find most difficult? And it leads itself right into answering what I found most difficult, which emotionally was having to stay behind while my trail family kept going when I got hurt. That was truly... I don't, I don't wish that on anybody I mean, I don't wish injury on anybody, but knowing that you can't keep going and watching these people that you've become so close with leave is horrible. And it wasn't just the emotional struggle of that, but also the physical struggle of getting hurt. The pain that I experienced, you know, I mean, nobody wants to be in pain and that's horrible, but it was misdiagnosed several times. I was dealing with unknowns for weeks and... Uh, It was an unbelievable challenge every second. I went from walking every day, all day for months to not being able to walk and to being separated from these people that had become my family. And I couldn't speak to them because we couldn't communicate because there was no way to get a hold of them for sometimes nine days at a time. And my whole world just kind of exploded or collapsed or both, um, and that was definitely the most difficult. It was um, it's like a bomb went off in my life. What brought me the most joy? What I experienced after getting hurt with the folks that hosted me and took care of me is what brought me the most joy. I have experienced such kindness and goodness and generosity and love from essentially people that were complete strangers to me. Um, and I look back on that experience and I, I'm filled with joy and love and everything just feels lighter knowing that people are capable of that. Um, and I am thankful that I was able to do those things even though that wasn't the plan. I got to spend some time with incredible people while I was recovering. Did my body hurt as bad as I thought it might? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Um, I went out there concerned about some foot problems that I was having, as well as knee problems. And interestingly enough, the foot thing never happened. I didn't experience the pain that I was having in my feet before I left on trail, almost at all. It happened when I left Hiker Heaven because my pack was ridiculously heavy. Um... And was causing pressure on the nerves in my feet, uh, which created that horrible pain that I was feeling. But that's it. That's really the only time it happened. Um, And it could have been avoided if I had been smarter about things. Uh, And then, of course, I had some knee issues. But as my legs got stronger, my knees were fantastic. Um, That is until I fell in July. So, uh, yeah, you know, you just get used to a level of your body feeling like shit every single day. But it's almost... I don't know. You get used to it, um, in a way. And it, it doesn't become a thing that you just complain about all the time. It's just kind of this thing that's always there that you expect, you know, the, getting up and trying to walk and the pressure on your feet and everybody's got the hiker hobble and that, um, yeah, it did, it did hurt, but, uh, but it was almost a feeling of accomplishment instead of Instead of it weighing me down, you know, the blisters that I got in the beginning, that was stressful. Um, but most other things were tolerable and really just got better the more that you did it. What was the best or coolest trail magic you experienced? Uh, you know, I have to say that I didn't experience a ton of trail magic, at least not. Not compared to a lot of the whispers that I heard on trail about trail magic. Not, they're not whispers. People are excited. They're talking about it. But uh I would say the absolute coolest was the first trail magic I experienced, which was right after mile 100. Um, I'm so glad we left late that day. Well, who am I kidding? We left late all the time, but it was a little bit after seven and this couple walked up with an unbelievable spread. They set up tables. They had chairs for us and... Oh my gosh, the amount of food that they had. And the, just the the feeling around that table was so joyous. And that was the coolest. The first Trail Magic was definitely the coolest. And they were there because their son had hiked previously and they were trying to give back. And I, I don't know, I was in awe. It was awesome. It was awesome. And the food was delicious, so. And did I find and stick with a trail family? I did. Um, you know, those things evolve And they did for me. Um, Overall, I I guess there's a relatively large group of people that I hiked with at various times. Um, But I met somebody on the first day, and we stayed together the entire time. Um, So, Pep Talk and I were together the whole time. You know, we were hiking with Nam and Stoic, who I talked about in previous podcasts, for a few weeks until we got separated. And then, um, we met dad jokes right in that time and, you know, we stuck together for the rest and, you know, we, we met some other people along the way. We met some people when we flipped and it was wonderful. It was wonderful to meet new people and hike with new people, but I definitely, I found, yeah, I found my hiking partners in pep talk and dad jokes and, um, yeah, I'm eternally, I'm eternally, they're stuck with me, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they're stuck with me for sure. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like now I would probably ask myself different questions, but that's what I asked myself. And I'm going to finish it with, is Is it what I expected? And I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know if it's what I expected because I didn't know what to expect. But I have never felt better about something that I've done. And I have an unbelievable amount of respect for people who try to do this and the people that complete it. And I can't wait to do it again. So, yeah, thanks for this opportunity zach and the trek and i hope the people that are listening give themselves the chance to try something like this even if you section hike give yourself a couple of weeks and get out there and do it it's unlike anything else and so unbelievably worth it so this is siren signing off and i hope i talk to you soon bye
11: shit dosu i hope right now i'm congratulating you on being a triple crowner i guess first things first did you make it and did you hike a continuous footpath wow dude you didn't give me uh much room for error there uh yeah i did uh finish the cdt and i did hike it continuous footpath um i did end up taking the creed alternate which you know we didn't anticipate doing um Kind of bummed that I did, but can't second guess my decision. Who knows how the CDT would have turned out if I did. Um, so to answer questions, yes. Next question. Polyester onesie. Good idea, bad idea, or amazing idea? Polyester onesie, that Snorlax onesie dude, amazing idea. Like, phew. I had never been so comfortable when sleeping. Uh, cold nights. I would, like, snuggle up in this thing and eat around the campfire. Mosquitoes, best thing against mosquitoes ever. Uh, And then in the mornings when it was cold, I'd wear it on the outside of my hiking clothes. And then once I got warm enough, I could take it off and I wouldn't have to take off, like, all my clothes to take off a base layer. It's like a base layer on the outside. But, yeah, onesie, amazing idea. Also, super fashionable. Interesting. Job. We talked about this at length in our own mind prior to the CDT. Where are we going? Do we have a job set up this time, or are we just going to wing it again? Yeah, so we have a job. Uh, we're living in friggin' Portland, Oregon. That's that's a trip, right? Kind of weird. So living in Portland, Oregon, working at REI, um, and we got some plans coming up for February, uh, with our bro, Akuna, that are going to be fucking lit. Well, I'm sure it'll all work out. So let's get back to the CDT. Do you have a favorite trail yet? Which do you think was most difficult? So, yeah, I still don't have a favorite trail. Um, I love them all for different reasons. I end up having to tell people that all the time, because everyone always asks that, especially now that you're Tinderin' and bumbling and got some other app named hinge because shit it's a lonely life in portland uh which one was most difficult sorry i haven't had my coffee yet this morning um i would say the cdt is probably the most difficult especially with all that snow and like the fucking snow thunderstorms and stuff up there um it was pretty wild it was definitely way harder than the at or the pct I would rank them on difficulty as the CDT, the C, uh, the Appalachian Trail, and then the PCT last because that's basically just a wheelchair ramp. So as we all know, the Trail Gods work in mysterious ways. Tell me, do you still think you're the Trail Gods' favorite son, and why? Yeah, dude. Uh, definitely Trail Gods' favorite son um, had like a job and a free place to live, Uh, right after trail um, and just everything that happened on trail phenomenal Um, and everything so far post trail has been pretty good you've been climbing with DK we've been going around meeting new people in Portland it's been pretty dope Um, and yeah like we got some pretty sick plans coming up for 2022 so hopefully they still smile upon me On the PCT, you kept up with your push-ups. Did you also do that on the CDT, or have you gotten the wither? So I was really good at doing my push-ups at the beginning, and then once you hit Colorado, it was just crazy snow. Like, you were camping on the snow. You were melting snow for water. You did not really have the energy or the time to do some push-ups. So I got a bit of the wither through Colorado, um, but then after that I was crushing them. Uh, I was doing about uh a hundred and fifty to two hundred a day towards the end and feeling and looking pretty good. Uh then now you're in the climbing gym every single day uh and putting on your weight again. So we're feeling pretty good. I know. And let me reiterate, I know that it is hard to choose. But what was the most fun part of the CDT? You know, the fun, funnest part of the CDT was definitely hanging out with my trail fam uh, towards the end all through, you know, Montana and doing the Teton Crest Trail with Redfish and Lumber and, you know, hanging out with Hobo Max and Fruit Salad and Akuna, you know, just hanging out with the fucking trail family, dude. That's, you know... It's always the best part of any trail. Uh, the right people can make the worst situations and worst places the best, and the, the wrong people can do the opposite and make the greatest places the worst. So we really lucked out and had some of the, the best fam on trail this year, and just that was definitely the best part of the CDT. Now that you've completed the Triple Crown, and you have the ability to do whatever you want, are you thinking about climbing, hiking, traveling? What's next? Yeah, so uh definitely getting into climbing again. Um what's next is a little bit crazy. Um you're trying to find a girlfriend. Um you also got some plans in February twenty twenty. Um but that'll only last maybe like about a month. But yeah, there's uh that's about it. You're you're about ready after five years of fucking around to have a girlfriend so you're actually like looking for someone to stay with so i know you're great at embracing the suck but what was one moment on the content of the divide trail when you were just like wow this sucks so i would say that would have to be going over kokomo pass um the snow was just so deep and slushy and you couldn't help but just post fall so deep and then a snow lightning storm hit. Uh, we made a video about it on our YouTube, um, with some footage from it. But yeah, it was like this snow lightning storm hit. You're at twelve thousand feet. You're like thinking you're gonna friggin' die because it's like lightning striking everywhere and lighting up off the snow. It was like being inside of a light bulb when it tu- when it turns on. And it was just like whoa, like I'm going to die. And then I run down the hill covered in snow and ice, finally get over it as the, the lightning storm stops. And, dude, I've never seen you run so fast with a pack on. Um, and we get down, we finally find some, like, flattish snow to camp on camp, hike down, uh, and we get down to some ski area, right? Uh, Monarch Ski Area, I think it is. And then we look at the weather, and there's another four-day snowstorm hitting during the summer equinox. Like, the first day of summer, it fucking snowed for four days on the CDT. So, yeah, that was that was a real rough patch. Um, but we overcame that. We actually went, uh, rode out the storm with our cousin Corey in Denver and checked out OR, um, played some disc golf and had a shit ton of Dunkin donuts. Um so it was pretty bomb. We made we embraced the suck and we overcame. I know you've probably gotten this question once or twice in all your years of hiking, but did you see any bears on the CDT? Dude, we didn't see a whole a single bear until like the second to last day in Glacier or something like that. And then we saw three grizzlies. Um and they ain't shit. Um I got a video of that on my YouTube too. They're just eating berries and not, like, pestering you. You slept with your food every single night, so no bears were going to come after that because you'd eat them. But, yeah, saw three bears, uh, and that's it. Right now, all I've had to eat today is bread. What was your favorite food on the CDT? Because right now, I'm really hungry, and I love to hear about it. Yo, I remember when all I ate was bread that day. That was a That was a rough-ass day, uh... Yeah, no, you actually eating a lot better now, too. Like, you got a kitchen. um, I'm making coffee, you know, uh, in my house. Well, it's not my house, but it's a house that I'm living in. And I got a stove and a fridge and a bed. Dude, you are hooked up. But, yeah, back to my favorite food on the trail. It was definitely mac and cheese with, like, a whole bag of chicken. Like, that bag of chicken that we like. Mac and cheese, bag of chicken, and then a little bit of instant mashed potatoes, like a cheesy one to really make it pop and stick together. Um, but yeah, whew, that was good. We ate that a lot in Montana. We just went like straight up like gourmet. As we both know, when eating food, you had to have something to wash it down with. What were the best three drinks you had on the CDT? Man, the best three drinks, um, I would have to say, uh, shit, like there wasn't that many good ones, uh, the Oleo drinks were pretty good, like having those CBD drinks, those helped out a lot, uh, for, you know, box of wine, and um, just taking the bag out, and carrying it with you, that was pretty bomb, and then, uh, mimosas with grapefruit juice, Uh, Instead of orange juice, that was pretty good. Um, But yeah, like the craft beers, just uh, they weren't that great. I was expecting them to be like memorable, but uh, they weren't. And I'm sorry to let you down. Now that you've given us some ideas on how to quench our thirst, how about quenching our thirst for knowledge? And tell us about some gear failures that you had along the way. Dude, that Nemo Tensor sleeping pad... Is the biggest piece of crap ever. It was flat on day one. Day one of the CDT. You spent that whole like stretch to Lordsburg. Sleeping on the ground. Contacted them. Had to go all the way to Silver City. Sleeping on the ground. Finally they sent you a new one. Then that one. Same thing. Went flat after a while. Sent me a new one after sleeping on the ground for a while. And then. Went flat a third time. Then they sent you, they were like, oh, sorry, we don't have this one anymore. You can have this cheap, heavy-ass one, and maybe it won't go flat as many times. And they sent you some cheap-ass one that's super heavy, and that lasted you through the rest of the trail. But, like, damn, like... You take real good care of your stuff. You have used the same copper spur ultralight, too. Like, that tent has lasted you the whole PCT, like, everything that you did in 2018, and the whole CDT. You're still sleeping in it now after the CDT when we go camping, and it's still okay. It's still got no holes in it. The zippers work. Like, you take real good care of your stuff. And that Nemo Tensor sleeping pad, that thing, like, just, like, springs up, leaks. Like, it's like I was, like, sleeping with a porcupine or something. Because, like, it, make, it makes you think, like, that how does it get so many holes in it? You know what it is? Is in between the quilts. They just, like, you, like, sleep on the thing. And then all of a sudden it's, like, the little patch things in between the quilt thing. they just keep like letting go like they're not sealed well it's it's the worst the worst thing I've ever had and I was excited to have a sleeping pad that wasn't a foam pad and that thing uh, man I'm ranting right now but yeah you went from a Lite to the nemo tensor sleeping pad and you slept on the ground a lot well this has been a riveting question and answer session with you as you know I am your number one fan I'd like to close this with a time capsule message from 36-year-old you and say despite what has happened, never stop adventuring. Fuck, dude. I forgot about that time capsule message. Uh, yeah, you made me cry there. That was pretty good. Uh, I won't, 36-year-old me. I won't fucking stop.
12: Duma, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? And I'm at home in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada on a freezing cold, wintry January night. The following are questions for a future Sarah that has hopefully slayed the big boss of through hiking, the Continental Divide Trail. Now, future Sarah, I know you have the resolve of 100 Dothraki warriors, so you must have made it through to Canada. If you didn't, though, Don't fret because I understand something big outside of your control has happened like a terrible blood clot, a robot uprising, or even a zombie apocalypse. I'll assume that the world didn't end and you did make it through. Hey, this is future Sarah. I am on the Camino Primitivo in northern Spain. Because where in the world is Kerman San Diego? And I'm high up in the Cantabrian Mountains doing some hiking towards Santiago de Compostela. Anyhow, Past Sarah, you had a number of questions. The first question was How does it feel to have Triumph walking the Continental Divide Trail? I don't know. What it feels like to complete the CDT because it's still a work in progress for me. I'm going to uh, finish up the wins in Colorado next year and then hit me up and I'll, I'll let you know how it feels to triumph. We love indulging in our adult beverages. What was the most memorable beer that you tasted along the way? This is going to sound blasphemous for a diehard craft beer fan. But the most memorable alcoholic drink for me was trash can margaritas in Santa Fe with my trail family. We had a night of mayhem kicked off with some beautiful, beautiful homemade margarita in the hotel trash can, stirred up with a stick we found outside to add that little extra flavor. Sarah, you've put in some mega miles Are we finally fit enough to rock our miniskirt Star Trek uniform? Oh, hell yeah, I look damn fine in that Star Trek miniskirt. Uh, Beam me up, Scotty, I'm ready to come aboard Starship Enterprise, and I am rocking that scarlet red dress. We came into this hike with a tight budget. Did we keep our spending under control, or are we broke now? You know, I spent about what I thought I was going to do on the CDT. I'm pretty good with keeping to my budget. Uh, The the biggest uh, factors that can get out of control for me are hotel stays and alcohol. And um, yeah, it it wasn't too bad. I still have enough money left in my savings to hike and adventure around the world for at least another year. So I didn't totally blow uh, everything in my bank account. We've sacrificed valuable time away from our friends and family for this hike. Was it worth it in the end? you know, it's always hard to be away from your loved ones. However, I did get to see them part way through when I did my flip from New Mexico to Montana, I spent a little bit time of time at home, and I got to connect with everyone. So uh, I feel like that really helped mentally with the balance between, you know, fear of missing out at home, and all the wonderful times and adventures I was having on the trail. And uh, yeah, so actually, I love that flip. And I love stopping in at home. What is the single most important thing that the Continental Divide Trail has taught you? I think it was um it's okay to choose your own adventure and it's okay to venture off the uh official trail and do what's right for you. You know, you see um some mountain that looks really cool go up there and check it out and then reconnect later or you don't want to go up a pointless up and down stay in the valley and follow the stream bed instead it's all up to you cdt is about total freedom if your cdt through hike was a movie what movie would it be I think if I had to say it was a movie, it was The Wicker Man, and I'm talking about the uh, Nicolas Cage version, because, you know, it's a fun ride. A lot of fun stuff happens. It doesn't totally go the way you want as the main character. Um, well, Nicolas Cage got stung by a lot of bees and burned up at the end. So, well, that, that didn't happen to me, but I didn't get to finish the CDT. I think my villain was the snow, and I feel like the snow did defeat me. But, uh, unlike Nicolas Cage being dead in that film, uh, I'm still alive, and I'm gonna be, uh, coming back to conquer. I don't know if that made any sense. It made sense to me. Whatever. I love the Wicker Man. Now that this hike is finished, do you have a clear idea of what you want to do in the future? Please say yes, future Sarah. Please say yes. Well, I know what I don't want to do in the future, and that's probably uh, lead a life of boredom. I don't, okay, so I don't really know what's going to be happening like down the line. But I know for the next year, I'm going to be continuing to adventure and hike around the world. I'm um, currently in Spain, and I don't know what I'm going to be doing after Christmas. Maybe Patagonia, maybe New Zealand, maybe Jordan. Hey, the world's my oyster. I can go anywhere. I can do anything. Um, So uh, yeah, I don't really have things figured out. Just just continuing to adventure. That I know. That's it for now, future Sarah. Be proud of yourself. I wish you the best, and I hope that you are in fabulous health, uh, feeling awesome, and celebrating with a cold, frosty pint of craft beer. Love you, future Sarah. Love you.
0: that's a wrap on our second season. I'd like to send a sincere thank you to this year's class of trail correspondents. After the first season of this show, the 2019 class had a very high bar to clear, and they did so with class. There was no shortage of ups and downs out on the trail this year, and you all did a masterful job in taking us along on this roller coaster ride with you. It has been an honor sharing your journey, and we hope there are many more adventurous, happy miles ahead. Again, if you enjoy the show, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Helping us spread the word of the show is the simplest way to ensure it continues on into the future. You can follow us on social at Trail Correspondence on Instagram, at ThruHikerPod on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash Trail Correspondence. You can also get a hold of us directly via email at podcast at thetrek.co. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast in 2020, please do send us a note here. Thank you to Polly Boy Shalcross for his wonderful editing skills and these dopamine dosing beats. Okay, signing off for now. Thanks for listening. Happy hiking and talk to you in 2020.